Welcome to the Oakland Church Podcast. You're about to hear another inspirational message from Associate Pastor Jeremy Barkley. It's our prayer that this message encourages you and strengthens you. For more information and for other resources, visit us at oaklandonline.org. church. God is good and all the time. I always look forward to the first Sunday of every new sermon series to see what the Lord put in Josh's brain as he makes those videos. And I'm super, we're super blessed to have Josh, aren't we? And uh, let's thank the Lord for you, Josh. uh, Yeah, because we are living in an age that is digital and we need to be able to reach a a digital generation. And, uh, And so these create, these, the Lord is Sending and commissioning and equipping creatives, and we're lucky to have not only a Levi, but one of those here in our house as well. Uh, this week, we're going to launch our Jonah series as we uh, move into Lent. Believe it or not, before we know it, we're going to be uh, looking at um, Easter lilies and eggs and empty tombs and crosses and all of that. And so we want to be intentional at how do we prepare for the seasons to come. And so um, we're looking at this Jonah series, and the subtitle of this is a, a Story of God's Sovereign Power and Remarkable Mercy. And this morning, we're going to look at an unwilling prophet. At an unwilling prophet. We're going to kind of launch off of Jonah chapter 1, verses 1 through 3, because over the next four to five weeks, we're going to really be exegeting scripture by scripture um, the book of Jonah line by line, but also... Uh, in your bulletins is the reading plan for the next six weeks. And so we're going to invite you to join with us day by day. A lot of times it's just one chapter a day, but we're going to go right through the minor prophets. And so we need to be a church that not only is praying and a house of prayer, but we need to be a church that is in the word of God. Amen. Amen. And so we invite you to join with us as we uh, join that reading plan. I'll be joining with you uh, tomorrow morning and uh, we'll be going through this season together. Um, Hear the word of the Lord from Jonah chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. It says, The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of the Amnati. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because of its wickedness has come before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and he headed towards Tarshish. And he went to Joppa, where he found a ship bound for that port. After paying the fare, he went abroad and sailed to Tarshish to flee from the Lord, shall we pray? Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you, Lord, for your presence with us this morning, and we thank you for your word, and Lord, the promise of your word that it never returns void. And so, Father, Lord, we step into that promise together in agreement and with expectation, not only this morning, but every morning. We pray, Lord, that you would speak. Your servants are willing and ready to hear and move. Father, hide me behind the cross, Lord, that you would be seen and heard only. Bless yourself this day and bless us, we pray. In Jesus' name and all God's people said, Amen. 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 As I said in the pastoral prayer, I'm very excited for 2024. I'm not usually one of those uh, types of uh, people or persons that really uh, jump on the bandwagon and, and kind of you know leaving the old behind and getting ready for the new and look for those kind of landmarks and and, uh, and I, especially lately, I think maybe earlier in my, in my youth I was, but lately I really want to just have my, my ear pressed to the chest 
of the Father in heaven and say, what are you saying about the season? And, and when does the season begin and when does the season end? Um, I can't help but believe that 2024 is going to be a year that marks each and every one of us. I believe that there has been a preparation. I believe that there has been an impact that we have still uh, to receive the uncovering and the revelation of all that God has already sown into the soil of our lives, not only here in this church, but in our region and in our nation and in our denomination. And so we are laying foundation, um, not only for the next five weeks in the sermon series as we head towards Lent, but we need to realize that whatever we sow with intention, we will reap with expectation in the seasons to come. We have to be in intentional in the seeds that we allow sown into the soils of our heart in our marriages and in our children and in our workplaces and in our ministries um, over these next two and three months. I believe we have to be intentional with every step. And we need to be assured that we are not getting ahead of God. Amen? And so I am super expectant for what the Lord has in store for each and every one of us. And I believe that this Jonah series will, will prepare our hearts for what God has in store for us as we lean into Easter in 2024. And so one of the first things we get from this text in Jonah chapter 1 is that there are two words that really never go well together. And those two words are know and Lord. That's right. Right? You see that throughout Scripture. That these two words never really mesh. They never really agree. They never really have fellowship with one another. If, if we look forward into the New Testament in Acts chapter 10, Peter has this vision that comes from the Lord as he's preparing to eat. He's on this rooftop and the Lord is sending this, uh, this um, blanket down with all these four-legged creatures and he's telling him to kill and eat and Peter says, as Peter normally does, uh, he says, no, Lord, I cannot eat what is unclean. And what this is, is this a prophetic mandate, an assignment that the Lord is giving through the prophetic to Peter to go to Cornelius' house, the Gentiles, and spread the gospel, release the Holy Spirit, and birth the church. And the funny thing about that passage in correlation to Jonah chapter 1 is, is that the same city of Joppa is represented. The same mission to the Gentiles is represented. There isn't a huge fish that's going to swallow Peter up, but Peter is indeed going to begin to fish for people. And we know that the Lord determines the assignment, and he determines what is clean. Can I just declare over each and every one of us today that we can trust the commands of God? Yes. We can trust his plans Amen. over our lives. We do not have to run in the opposite direction because if he has declared it as such, it is good. Right. Trusting often precedes understanding. I would love if it would come the other way. But I'm learning in my old age that it typically doesn't. Because if I understood, I wouldn't have to trust as much. If I understood, I wouldn't need faith. And faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things unseen. In fact, it is impossible to please God without what? Without faith. faith. 
So trusting precedes understanding and obedience is faithfulness. And I don't know about you, but I want to be found faithful in 2024. Mm -hmm. He has been so faithful to me. He has been so faithful to us. I want to be found faithful to him. Amen. We're putting a stake in the ground in 2024, Oakland Church of Johnstown, that we will be found faithful. Amen. Be, we will be, even if it doesn't make sense, even if he tells us to go to Nineveh, even if he tells us to sit next to that person, even if he tells us to readdress the unforgiveness, we will go to Nineveh because we desire to be found faithful. Amen. He can do something with a faithful church. Yeah. A faithful marriage, a faithful child, a faithful husband, a faithful wife. He can do something. Oswald Chambers says it this way. The goal of faithfulness is not that we do the work for God, but that he will be free to do the work through us. God calls us to his service and places tremendous responsibility upon us. But he expects no complaining on our part and offers no explanation on his. God wants to use us as he used his own son. I'm just going to give you the conclusion right now. Are you willing? Are you willing? I want to be found willing. I don't want to be found understanding. I want to be found willing. I want to be found knowing the ways more than I know the plan. I can trust the ways of the maker, amen, of the creator, of the sustainer, of the source. I can trust him because he's good. I want to be found willing. Send me wherever you'll send me, Lord. I'm willing, Lord. I don't, I don't need to know the next step. I just need to know that you're in front of me. Because you'll never lead me astray. You'll never leave me alone. I know it's the first Sunday, and a, lot, and a lot of churches will throw away this Sunday and say, we'll get to it later. But not here, not now, not this year, not with what lays ahead of us. Lord, find us willing. Find us willing, Lord. A little background on the book of Jonah. We're talking about this prophet. And when we talk about the prophetic or the prophet, we're talking about the mouthpiece of the Lord. Especially in the Old Testament times. In the Old Testament times, the Lord typically spoke or imparted his Holy Spirit to the priest, the king, and the prophet. But now, since Pentecost and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, he has poured out his flesh upon his spirit upon all flesh. Amen? And so we know here that we have uh, the mouthpiece of the Lord, Yahweh. He serves around 783 B.C. through 753 BC. We also know that prophets tend to err on the side of a lack of mercy and in their personality and their theology and in their presentation. Somebody say amen. That's true. Prophets are a little pokey. All right. They kind of it, sometimes it doesn't go through the filter and they're definitely not politically correct. Right. Right. And, and we know that Jonah must have been a had a profound grace for preaching. Right. But he had a heart that was biased. Mm-hmm. He's unwilling. He's biased. He's rebellious, rebellious. And he's a nationalistic prophet. What do we know about Nineveh? We know that it's a great city. It's an important city. In fact, many some of my research has said that it's the largest city uh, in the demographic in that region for many decades and generations. It's northeast. Of Israel, it's a foreign land, it's a Gentile nation, it's Assyrian, and it's also modern-day Iraq. But it's known for its for being notoriously wicked. Right. 
And when we talk about wicked, the translation that came up in my study Bible was this. Troubled, misery, difficulty, and harm. And it was so bad that it came, that their situation got the Lord's attention. And according to many Jews, especially Jonah, they were very much undeserving of the mercy and salvation that was offered from God, from the God of Israel. Another layer. Many view Jonah and this narrative as a fictional story in its origin. We kind of have to deal with that, don't we? Did it happen? Or didn't it happen? Well, we know in 2 Kings chapter 14, verse 25, there's an acknowledgement of Jonah's ministry under Jeroboam II. So we, we, we know that Jonah is a real person. We know that Nineveh is a real place. And we know that there's another book of the Bible that identifies that Jonah was a prophet of the Lord in his season. We also know that Jesus references Jonah as a historical person in Matthew 12, verses 39 through 41. I remember my first trip to Israel. Uh, we were sailing on the Sea of Galilee and a fellow pastor, a fellow uh, United Methodist pastor at the time, uh, looked at me as I jokingly said, I'm so glad that we're not sailing on the Mediterranean because I hear there's big fish that'll swallow you up here. <laughs> right? And he looked at me puzzled, confused, and offended. And he said these words. He said, you don't really believe that happened, do you? And I kind of caught myself because I was a little indignant. Um, and I said, well, absolutely I do. And he said, he kind of patronizingly said to me, he just said, well, I'm just going to let you believe that because I don't want to ruin your theology. Wow. And I just looked at him and said, well, listen, if it didn't happen, where does it begin and where does it end? Hmm. And he said, what do you mean? And I said this, I said, we believe in virgin births, we believe in resurrection from the dead, we believe in seas parting, and we believe that the sun stands so still. It would be an easy thing for the Lord to send a fish to, to get the prophet, wouldn't it? Amen. Put this in your chest and in your heart today, because I believe that we are in the day, we are living in the days of Mark 16, where the preaching of the word will be accompanied by signs, wonders, and miracles. Amen. Things right. that cannot be explained Lord, by yes. the human understanding. Uh -huh. God is not subject to natural law. Right. Natural law is subject to God. Yes. Right. Amen. Right. I'm preaching much better than you're responding. <laughs> Amen. God is not subject to natural law. He created it. He can manipulate it. He can make that sun stand still. Right? He can part the Red Sea. He can, he can raise up the dead. He can send his son in a virgin birth to put on flesh and die for us on the cross. Amen? Why? Because he said so. He's the authority. My understanding, not the authority. But he's so good and he's so faithful that he uses us and he tells us the narrative. And all we have to do is have faith to believe that it happened. Mm -hmm. I don't have to understand how it happened. I just have to have faith and believe that it happened. Right. Psalm 145 verses 8 and 9 and also 17 through 19 says this. The Lord is gracious and full of compassion, slow to anger and great in mercy. Somebody say amen. amen. The Lord is good to all and his tender mercies are all over his works. 
The Lord is righteous in all of his ways, gracious in all of his works. The Lord is near to all who call upon him. Call upon him and he will what? Be near. Right. To all call upon him in truth and he will fulfill the desires of those who fear him. Why? Because if you fear him, his desires will be your desires. Right. Three overarching themes of the book of Jonah. The story of God's sovereign power and remarkable mercy. Number one is that our yes must be unconditional. It must be unconditional. Must. There are some things that the Lord's going to ask you to do this year. And it's not going to make any sense. You're not going to have any provision for that. And you're certainly not going to have the mercy and the grace to fulfill it. But if he gives the assignment, he will give the grace. All of us have a role to fulfill in the kingdom's narrative. And here's what happens. is When we start to talk about our yes being unconditional, the Lord typically has to press this posture. Press it. You ever saw someone, I've never like really cooked with dough or like, you know, I eat it obviously, but um, you know, you kind of have to press it, right? You have to press some ingredients in. You have to press it in. You know, we're crushed, and we're, but we're not you know, in despair and we're all of those good things, right? I, that wasn't in my notes, so I didn't, yeah. But we're pressed, amen. We're pressed. And there are certain things he has to press into us. He has to apply pressure. And he has to put this posture in our soul. And what is our soul? It's our mind, our will, and our emotions. But Because what he loves to do is test our faith. And when he tests our faith, ultimately it brings us into this requirement of our full surrender. Right. The testing of our faith is bringing us somewhere. And ultimately, it's a new surrender. We don't need new resolutions in 2024. We need new surrenders. Mm -hmm. That's what God's calling. If you want the breakthrough, you're going to have to trust him into surrender. Yes. And our blind spots can restrict yes. our mobility within our calling and our purpose. And we know this because we look at Jonah, and Jonah has these blind spots. He's a biased Jew that runs from his assignments. And we don't know this for sure. But we know this, that God is sovereign, right. and he's the Alpha and he, he's the Omega, the beginning and the end. He, he, he operates outside of space and time. And so Jonah running isn't a surprise to God, amen? Right. So I wonder if this was the first time Jonah had run in the opposite direction from a mission impossible that was given to him. Yeah. We don't know that, but we do know that a lot of times uh, fruits come from roots, don't they? John Wesley says this in his sermon number 29. I did this for Pastor Rena. I knew he would appreciate that. <laughs> How uncomfortable condition Jonah must be in. He must be in. Who having the fear of the Lord, but not the love of God. And who's serving him, but not with all his heart. Only has the toils, but not the joys of religion. Oh, no. Unconditional. Yes. Loving God, hear me, loving God means loving what God loves. True, very true. Right? Yes. Yep. Who, the what, the when, the where, the why, and how, all of it. If you're going to love him, you're going to have to love all that he loves. There are times and seasons when the Lord will test your love for him by placing you next to those you don't want to be in close proximity to. <laughs> and you're going to have to do it because you love him. Amen? 
He loves his children, covenant, humility, service, honor, unity, and holiness. God loves these things, and they are a, primary, they are a priority within the currency of his heart. And they must be a priority with the current, within the currency of our own. Right. Right. It's an unconditional yes. And so when I know him and I know his ways and I'm in alignment and I'm under his covering, right, and I'm submitted to him, what's on him falls on me. I don't have to be convinced because I can trust him. The children of God and the soldiers of his kingdom. Because some of us, uh, we kind of differentiate that. We kind of think that they're two different people. We're both. Mm -hmm. You are both a child of God and you're also enlisted in his army. Amen. That's true. And so some of us just love being children of God and we kind of like just nestle up in. It's like Mary sitting at his feet. And some of us love being soldiers and we have this warfare mindset and we're just shooting arrows at everything that moves. Right? Yeah. Children of God and soldiers of his kingdom must intentionally discern the spirit at work from the person who they are called to love. That is Ephesians chapter 6. Mm. Our war, our war is not flesh and blood, right. but it is rulers and principalities of darkness. That's it's right. not them, it's what's operating in them. Yes. All right? right. Ooh, yes. So he, Jesus. God, our father, our creator, he loves the Ninevite and the Israelite. He loves, hear this, the Republican and the Democrat. Some of you are like, nuh uh. <laughs> nuh uh. Right? He loves the saint and the sinner. Hear this, church. He loves the straight one and the gay one. He loves us. And he loves the global Methodist. Right. And the United Methodist. Amen. I'm going to let that sit there a little bit. Because I'm tired of being told that we don't love people. That's right. So I take that as a challenge to love them with even an intense, extended measure. Right. He hates evil Amen. and sin and the products thereof. And he will not agree with it. He will not have fellowship with it. And he will not partner with it. See, that's our mission. Love the person, discern the sin, bridge the gap, and let the Holy Spirit do what only the Holy Spirit can do. Amen? He desperately desires everlasting covenant with all persons. Because here's the deal. The risk of love is free will. The elders, the angels, his children, we get a decision in this. He's not a dictator. He's a good father. He's a gentleman. Yes, amen. And when you receive it, will everyone receive it? No. No, they won't. But they will have access to it. That's right. Because Jesus made a way where there is no way. And over his dead body should they not have access. Amen. And so he determines the means and the conditions, not us. Our yes is unconditional. Number two is all of heaven and earth are at his command. Because of his great love, the Lord will use whatever, whoever, and whenever to reach those who were lost. Yeah. This is just a fraction of what we see in scripture. We see the Lord using fish, ravens, the sun, 
the storms, ditches and deserts, burning bushes and burning altars, men and women, young and old, dreams and visions, daytime and nighttime, angels and even donkeys. Right. Human ones and, and animal ones. <laughs> to convey his message. All of us play a role. The Lord will find you in the shepherd's field of obedience and he will find you in the bottom of the boat napping in the midst of your disobedience. Right. He can speak through Paul and Apollos. He can speak through the Methodist and the Charismatic. There has never been, and it's never been, about an earthly vessel of perfection. There's only been one, and his name is Jesus, and he's perfect. And he's not only the perfect vessel, but he's the substance, and he's the source. And he works all things together for the good of those who love him. You know, the smell from inside a fish will do something to your willingness to be used by God. You ever been swallowed up by your disobedience? I can't wait to see where Pastor Randy takes us over the next two weeks. You ever been swallowed up? You ever made a, a, a wrong decision? Uh, how about this? How about the, having the revelation that you are the one that's, that caused the storm that everyone else around you has to endure? Ever been there? Somebody better say amen. Right? We've all been there. But here's the, here's the cool That storm will not only transform your life, but it'll, tra it'll transform the entire crew on board. We're going to find that out over the next few weeks. Every single one of us play a role. God works all things together. Nothing is wasted. There are no scraps yeah. in the kingdom of heaven. Right. 2024 is a vessel that God desires to use to get you where he has intended you to be from the foundations of the earth. He knows every hair on your head. He knows every step that you take, every word that you've spoken. And he knows where he's taking you. You have to play your role. You have to play your part. Number three. Number three. God's mercy isn't prejudiced or limited. For God so loved who? The entire world. That he gave his son. We serve a limitless God. He never runs out. That was one of my favorite songs we sang several years ago. I don't know if you guys remember that song. Uh, Your love never fails. It never gives up. It never runs out on me. Depending on the... No, I'm not singing that. <laughs> no. I rebuke you. Right? right? And so my interpretation of he never runs out was, was he never leaves us. Right? He, he never abandons us. But there was other people whose interpretation of that same, uh, that same verse was, was that his love is limitless. He never runs short. Amen. Both are true. Yes. Right? Both are absolutely true. He will never leave you or forsake you. He's never going to run out on you. Even Jonah, Jonah's running out on him. God's with him the entire time. He's with him in his disobedience. He's with him in his preaching. And you're going to find later he's with him as he's leaning back on a rock and he takes a plane away, right? He's with him. But it never, he never runs short either. Because our God isn't present. He has enough for all of us. He has enough for all of us. Why would you ever compare the blessings of someone else 
instead of having your hands and your womb open to receive what he has for you. Lamentations 3, verses 22 through 24 says, The faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is thy faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh every morning. And I say to myself, the Lord is my inheritance. Therefore, I will hope in him. What is the difference between grace and mercy? Grace is when you get what you don't deserve. It's the unmerited favor of God. It's kind of like the prodigal son. He deserved justice. He deserved judgment. He deserved punishment. But he got a son's reward. And he not only wants to do that for you, but he wants to do that for them. Whoever the them is, he wants to do that for them. When we're talking about mercy, we're talking about when we don't get what we deserve. We're talking about pardon. When he pardons us. When the blood of Jesus overwhelms our circumstance and our consequence. There are times that you didn't get everything that you deserve. Yeah, you got consequences, but, but he relented. He relented. Have you ever had a day when you needed an extra measure of mercy? Anybody? I don't know if you guys know this, but I haven't always been perfect. Okay? Yeah? I didn't, know. <laughs> I didn't know if you guys knew that. But when I think of mercy, I think of this one story. I was in second grade, and we were living in Virginia Beach. And uh, my dad was a pastor of the Nazarene Church. And we were at lunch. And my best friend, his name is Harry. And uh, he was an African-American boy, and we were boys, man. We'd play on the playground. We'd play football together. And we're only in second grade together. And, and just, I mean, if you can imagine me, I was a lot smaller then. Still had a big head, but was a lot smaller then. And, and just, I can still see we're sitting in this lunchroom. And our table was the table that was situated right up against the windows. And then there were those long tables with the seats that were attached. And then it was like rows by rows by rows. Well, one day I was eating my lunch because I never miss lunch, right? And, uh, and I remember sitting there and having Harry come over to me and he was very distraught and um, upset and mad. He was mad. And he said, Jeremy, come here. And, and he brought me over beside him and, uh, and we were sitting there and he said, I said, what's going on? And he said, those kids over there are, are picking on me. And uh, kids in the second and third grade can say some things, even if they don't know what they mean. Yeah. Okay, so you get what I'm saying? And they were calling Harry something that they shouldn't be calling him. All right? And this is my brother from another mother. All right? We're salt and pepper together. All right? Him and I. And so we are, uh, we're sitting there, and I was like, what do you want to do? Um, and he's like, just do what I do. And so we proceeded to tell these two other boys from two tables away that they were number one by using the wrong finger. <laughs> Both hands. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna even give the visual of any of that. But here's second grade preacher's kid Jeremy, like oblivious and innocent, just following his his buddy. We're sitting there in the middle of lunch, and we have both fingers up, looking at these bees, going, "Yeah, yeah." You know what I mean? And the teacher comes over and grabs us immediately, right? Because it's the one who's caught, right? Grabs us immediately and takes us directly to the principal's office. Now, listen, I'm going to tell you, young people, this is the day when they could spank you, all right? They had paddles and everything with holes in them, all right? And so I remember them taking me to the principal's office, and we were sitting there, and I remember, like, I was going to take my cues from Harry. And Harry was still mad. 
he was indignant and he was prideful and he was not going to budge. And so I sat there just like Harry and I was mad and I was indignant and I was prideful and I wasn't going to budge. And so I was the first one that they brought into the office and they set me in the chair right there in the principal's office. And she asked me if I knew what I was doing. And as soon as she said, Jeremy, I know your parents and I, and I, and I know what you were doing. Do you know what you were doing? I started crying like a baby, <laughs> crying like a baby. All of my pride went out of the window. I got humbled real quick, real quick. I don't know. I'm so sorry. I'll never do it again. Don't call him. Don't call him because my father had no issue with laying hands on his children. All right. And I cried for mercy. I cried for mercy. And boy, she gave it to me. She gave it to me. And, and I didn't get spent. I got mercy. I got mercy. I was crying. I'm bald. I mean, I must have looked like an idiot. And she sent me out because she put Harry in another room. She sent me out of the principal's office back to my classroom. And I sat there humiliated and embarrassed and ashamed of myself. And about 20 minutes later, here comes Harry. Well, Harry decided that he was going to stay indignant and prideful and upset. And he came in crying as well, but his crying wasn't out of praying for mercy. It was out of consequence. And I said, well, what happened? He said, I got spanked, didn't you? And I was like, no, I didn't. I didn't, you know. But when I think of mercy, I think about the fact that, that I didn't get, not get in that situation what I deserved. That might be the worst example I could ever give you. But here's the thing. Here's, the, here's the, the lesson behind it. Humility is the vessel. Actually, it, I would say it, it's the cylinder that you, that, can, that you can only receive mercy within, a, within a, humil, a, a cylinder of humility. Does that make sense? Like a, it's like a bowl, right? You can't hold mercy unless you're humble. Unless you'll get low and get up. Make, I didn't articulate that well, but that's what I'm getting. I'm like, you know, because here's the thing: I, if I come in hard and prideful and and think I'm above it, and I and I disbelieve that I'm right, like I won't. Re I haven't right. That grace won't open the door to mercy. Resolution for 2024, to the measure that you may need mercy and grace for yourself, in your worst moment, give that same measure to those around you that may be in desperate need for the same. Right? Jonah did not want to give out mercy. You're going to see that. He doesn't want to give it away. I wonder what his definition of mercy looks like now. When he's thrown out and he's swallowed up and he's spit out and God shows his faithfulness and his goodness. I really believe this is what the Lord has spoken to me. And I, I've been telling a few people that have asked because I'm just going to try to live by this this year. I have a tendency to want to prevent every mistake. Mm -hmm. I have a tendency to want to get ahead of every possible circumstance. And I spend a lot of energy. I waste a lot of energy doing that. And I heard the Lord say to me, and I just impart this to you for this year, instead of wasting the energy that you have trying to prevent everything in this new year, maybe we should just pray for the grace to bring the correction. Right? 
What if, what if that's what, what if that's the next step of maturity? Because we can't get the impartation of the wisdom and the knowledge and the discernment unless a lot of times we take the L, unless we take the loss. So instead of trying to just spend all of your energy trying to prevent it from happening, right? That doesn't mean we go and sin willfully. No, it doesn't mean we like just like live in it. No, that means I'm trying, but I'm not going to spend so much. I'm just going to trust the Lord that he's working it out. And if he corrects me, I will then with grace receive it and then make the correction in my own life. See, Jonah doesn't do this. And we can learn from that. But Jesus gives us the access and the means to accomplish this in our daily lives. As our worship team comes, I guess my question to you this morning is, is are you willing this year? Are you a willing prophet? Are you a willing husband? Are you a willing father? Are you a willing uh, student? Are you a willing coworker? Are you willing to go where God's going to send you? Or are, are you willing to play your role in this kingdom narrative? Because I'm telling you, Jesus is coming again. Amen. I don't know when he's coming. I'm not going to be that guy. But I can tell you the tension and, and, and everything, it's getting so close. The veil's getting so thin. Right? The road is getting so narrow right now. He, he is coming. And we will see him. One way or the other. And I want to be found faithful. I don't want to be found unwilling. And so, Lord, do whatever you have to do in my heart, in our hearts, in this church, to make us willing vessels, to find us faithful, that we would love people, that we would rebuke and correct the sin, but we would surely walk with people through restoration. That's the gospel. He restored a way to his father that we broke because he loves us so much. Shall we pray? Heavenly Father, we pray, Lord, that in these moments, as the altar is open, if any of us have been finding ourselves unwilling to go to the places that the Lord is calling us, Lord, I pray that we would have the courage to step out, put a stake in the ground, and leave it here. Mark us this year, mark us this day for our assignment. Mark our hearts with your love and your purpose. Give us vision and dreams of what's to come. Equip us for all the above. We pray these things in Jesus' name and all God's people say. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message from Oakland Church. For more information and for other resources, visit us at oaklandonline.org.